You need to put it on blocks as correct. Let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us here this evening. You know your purposes in bringing us here. Uh, you know what's going on in our lives. You know our hearts. You know the things that we can tell and the things that we don't dare tell. You know where we are in relationship with you. You know if we're hurting and struggling and in pain. You know if we're just thrilled to be here and spend time worshiping you and acknowledging you. Father, for whatever reason we came, um, Give us tonight what you would have us receive and help us to hear your voice in the midst of all the noise of our lives. Would you speak to us so that we can hear you? Would you have us help us teach us to open our ears to you? Father, I pray that um, I would be helpful and not a hindrance. I pray that your voice, the voice of your spirit, would be the only voice that would be able to be heard, that no other spirits, that no darkness, that nothing that would cause disruption would be allowed to be here, and that you and you alone would speak your truth to us, and it would be your voice we hear. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are talking about, uh, or working through the book of Habakkuk, as part of a broader theme, which is to deal with um, the theme of authenticity. We're talking about being authentic. And as we study and have spent time with, with Habakkuk, we, we've learned a lot about authenticity. We've, we've learned um, just how it works and what it means for us as a community. Um, tonight, I'm going to look at um, Habakkuk 2 verses 4 through 20 and um, and you're going to hear the word woe um, several times and um, I I kind of I today when I was kind of getting this finalized in my head um, the lens on my glasses popped out now, if it's my left lens, no one cares because I don't use that eye anyway and it's worthless. And so I can't see out of it. I don't even know why they put a lens there because it's just a waste of time and money, which is probably why they put one there. And, um, but, but my right eye, I need. I, I really need it. And, and so my right eye is kind of important. So, so I was upset because the lens popped out and I couldn't get it back in. And to stay, you know how that, anybody who wears glasses has had this happen, right? I'm not the only one on the planet. And then, and then I was like, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, right? Because that's just what we do. And then, and then I stuck it back in, and I kind of got it to stay in, but then it's all smudged because you've got your fingerprints all over it, right? And then you can't clean it because it'll pop out again. So then you're really annoyed, and it's kind of more woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Then I went over to the mall, and... 
they used to have an eye masters there right by the door when you walked in by the movie theater there. It's gone. I don't know. So now I'm wandering all over the mall trying to find a place to get my glasses fixed. And, I'm, and then the lens pops out again, and I'm ca I catch it, and I'm holding it, and I'm trying to, oh, yeah, there's, a, you know, you can't read signs because you're blind. And so I finally make it to, I don't know even the name of the place, but there was some other eye place there. And I walk in, and I show them the horrible problem that I have, and she says, it's going to be about an hour. And she says, well, you can go shopping. And I go, no, I can't. You know, you have my glasses. I'll be blind. I can't see anything. She says, well, then it would be good if you didn't buy anything, right? Because <laughs> you won't know what you're getting. And, and then I walk over to the, to the, um, to the food court because it's after lunch. And I think, oh, I'll just get some lunch while I'm waiting. So I, you know, I, wa I want to get some of that uh, Japanese food because it's at least somewhat healthier, I think. Probably not. And, 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 but the line's way too long, so I kind of wander away. And I get over to the, the Rubio's taco place, right? And I think, i got to have tacos. But I can't see what's written up on the screen. I have no idea what they have. And so I'm, I'm kind of complaining to the lady. And I said, do you have like one of those little paper things that I can hold three inches from my nose and be able to read? And then, and, and she says, uh, no. We don't have that today, sorry, but I can read the menu to you. And I said, oh, that's all right, you know, I'll just, do you have like tacos, you know, the taco place that I should have. And, and she says, uh, yeah, she says, is there anyone here to help you? And, and, and I said, no, I drove here alone. <laughs> and she got a little nervous. And so, woe was me, and I, I finally got back to, to the place, got my glasses, and got home and finished up working on my sermon. And then I come here, and Eric says, I have to use this pulpit, which, you know, for a guy who's blind, and this was a really short thing. But anyway, no. Anyway, woe is me, right? Like, uh, this is not how I wanted to spend my Sunday. This is not what I planned on. This is, woe is me. This is not good. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Woe is me. And that's kind of what you're going to hear as we read through Habakkuk 2, verses 4 through 20. I'm, uh, and I'm really going to um, just spend some time uh, with this passage and kind of pay attention to the woes. Um, Eric talked a little bit about this verse, so I'm just going to kind of piggyback off of, see, he's... Uh, he is puffed up, verse 4. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. And Eric talked about living by faith last week. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes cap captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe! To him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion, how long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim. Because they have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed man's blood, you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. 
Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to see, to set his net, nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed, and establishes a town by crime. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, and the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol, since a man has carved it? Or an image that teaches lies? For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. Or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Woe, 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 woe. And we do the woe is me when we're sad about our circumstances and we do woes when we go, uh, you're going to get yours, right? That's kind of our... Woe to you, you bad people, you. And that's kind of what this is about. Uh, but really that word woe is not really kind of the way that we hear it. Like I think in our culture we, we hear it as sort of the, uh, my life is really rough and you're going to get yours, right? That's how we hear it. But actually the word um, that's used is more of a, oh my, oh my. So when you read that and you hear that, you say, oh my, oh my. And, and this reminds me of my grandmother who when I was a kid and, and did something that got me in trouble, and then she wouldn't say, woe is you, I'm going to punish you. She'd go, oh my, oh my, you did that, oh my. And she'd wring her hands, right? Oh, oh my. And, and that's kind of how it is. Like, it's an oh my statement. So, the, so this, these verses that we read are sort of, a, sort of an oh my song. It's a, it's a woe is me song. It's a, it's a woe song, but it's a oh my song. So all of those of you who want to write a song as part of your Habakkuk thing that... I just gave you, there's perfect lyrics here. You can do an oh my song, right? Uh, and, and, and it'll be great. Um, maybe, right? And, and, and so we think, oh my, and, and there's a part of us that think that, that that's kind of sarcastic. It comes across as sarcastic, right? Because as we read these verses, we go, there's some sarcasm here. 
this is, this is the prophet Habakkuk kind of poking his eye, uh, poking the, the Nebuchadnezzar's eye, the, the ruler of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. He's kind of like putting it to him. He's being sarcastic. He, he's being smart. He, he's, he's going after him. And, it, and if we read it in the oh my uh, way, it, this becomes kind of a lesson, a reminder to us to not do things the way that the evil forces that are coming that are going to destroy God's people there and, and, and do all this horrible, these horrible things to them. What Habakkuk is saying is, oh my. Do you, do you know what's going to happen to you? Babylon, do, do you know? Like, do you know what the consequences of your sin is? Of your evil is? Do, do you know? He kind of says that with that first, oh my, that first woe. He says, oh my, if, if you accumulate stuff, you're, you're going to live in fear that, that people will take your stuff. Like those verses are, he's, he's saying, do you get that? And that's kind of the thing about stuff, right? The, the more stuff you get, the, the more nervous you get about how to keep your stuff. And, and you spend all your time trying to figure out how to keep your stuff and how, how you hang on to your stuff and how to protect your stuff. We live in gated communities some, sometimes because we, we want to protect our stuff. We, we put locks on our doors. And I, I grew up in Iowa. We, we never had locks on our doors, and, and it was just inconceivable. that like So when we, when we came to, to Arizona, to Phoenix, they, they gave us keys to the house, and we go, wow, we never had those before. That's pretty awesome. Like, we didn't even know what they were for. Like, you, you kind of had to learn a, a new way of living. And I, I used to go to Denny's for breakfast over by the company where I worked in Phoenix, and, and Denny's had... Um, I, I noticed one day that, that there were no locks on the doors. I thought, well, that's weird. So I, so I talked to the manager and said, you, you don't have any lock on the door. And he says, right, why would we? I said, well, you know, when you go home, he goes, uh, we're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Silly me, right? Uh, who knew? And, and so we don't need, we don't need locks. Well, then they had some kind of an armed robbery thing and some, so suddenly they had locks so that they could keep people out, right? Because, because that's the deal, right? When you have stuff, when you have things of value, you want to protect them, you want to, you want to hide them, you, you want to keep them. And so he's talking to these people who are invading God's people and taking their stuff. And he's going, you're just going to take it all. And then you have this whole spirit, this whole mindset of, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to accumulate, and I'm going to get what I want. And Habakkuk says, and then people are just going to take it from you. You're going to live in the fear that they're just going to come and grab it back, or other people are going to grab it, because it creates that mindset. your longing is to accumulate wealth if I just had stuff more stuff then I'd be happy 
then I'd be okay. Then you're not trusting God. You're not walking in his ways. God invites us, Jesus invites us into a whole different way of living. To take what we're given and be generous with it. Give it away. Offer it to others. Lay it down on behalf of others. Instead of accumulating it and protecting it and guarding it, offer it. The second oh my, the second woe, oh my, if you get what you get by destroying others, you're going to be destroyed. That, that's that next oh my. If, if you have to tear down people, if you have to hurt people, if you have to if you have to get what you want by force, by power, by strength, by might, and in the process you destroy other people, then you will be destroyed. That's what Habakkuk is warning the, the prophet. He's being authentic, right? Part of authenticity is saying the truth, right? You have to say the truth. You have to say it lovingly. You have to say it kindly, but you cannot not say the truth. And so Habakkuk is saying, here's the truth. The truth is, if you accumulate stuff, people are going to take your stuff. If you use power to destroy other people, you're going to be destroyed. That's just the truth. Now, you have to take a long view, right? Because in the moment, it doesn't feel like that. You have to take a long view of history. You can't take a short view. you get what you get by destroying other people, you will be destroyed. And that's the warning that Habakkuk gives to the king. He says, oh my, do you know what you're doing? When you come and you take people's livelihood, when, when you turn them into victims, when you, when you build your realm by unjust gain, he says, so that you can set your nest on high, so that you can go hide out, so that you can separate yourself, right? That's what he's saying. When you want to escape the clutches of ruin, but, you, but you're the one who plots ruin. You shame your own house, you forfeit your life. Oh my. Years ago, I was chief financial officer of a large auto parts company, and, and I was in a, a competition with another guy who, who uh, we were both wanting to run the company. And I remember when he basically accused me and tried to destroy my name, and, and, and I just remember that awful feeling. I, I, he said I had cheated, and, and I hadn't, but I, how would I prove it? And lawyers got involved, and accountants got involved, and all kinds of people got involved, and it was a pretty scary moment, scary time in my life. And he destroyed my reputation. And it was hard. It's hard to, to have your reputation be destroyed. Like, like I wanted to get even. I, I, I longed to, to somehow get back at him, and I'd lay awake at night trying to figure out how to do it. 
And I remember finally going to him and forgiving him for what he had done and feeling the burden fall off. That always happens when you forgive, by the way. And instead of seeking to destroy him, I started praying for him and and longing for good things to happen to him. If you destroy others, you will be destroyed. Oh my. The, the next oh my, the next woe is about glory. If, if you get your glory, if, if you get what you want, the prestige, the position, the status, if, if you get it by breaking the law, your glory will disappear. God's glory fills the earth, Habakkuk says. You, your glory is nothing. Particularly if you get it by, by manipulating the law, if you, if you get it by manipulating the rules, by not following God's ways. You establish a town by crime, verse 12 says. But the response is that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God like water covers the sea. He says to these invaders, these ones who would destroy, yeah, you have glory, but it's nothing. And in the end, you'll be destroyed. God's glory will overwhelm everything. You'll be left with nothing. No one will look up to you a hundred years, a thousand years, ten thousand years, but they will acknowledge God. Oh my, do you know what it means to seek glory? To seek praise? To seek status? Oh my, do you know what the end of that is? There's a beautiful thing that, that Jesus offers us, and it's that he, he offers that we can join him in his humility. Jesus humbles himself. He comes from the glory of God's presence, heaven itself, and he comes down, and, and he comes among us, and, and we don't even recognize him for who he is, and, 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 and we mock him, and we mistreat him, and, and we ignore him, and we hate him, and, and we despise him, and we beat him, and we hang him on a cross and we kill him. His glory seemingly disappears. It's like the story ends. And it ends badly. Like every other person who seeks glory. But but Jesus didn't seek the glory. He, he sought humility. The invitation to us is to humble ourselves, make ourselves nothing, offer ourselves, lay down our lives 
for neighbors, friends, for others. Because Jesus didn't stay on that cross. He didn't stay dead. He rises up in all his magnificent glory and he joins the Father in heaven and there he's preparing a place for you to share in his glory. He promises us that if we share in his suffering, we will share in his glory. Isn't that awesome? Because you're going to suffer. <laughs> Sorry. Lenses are going to pop out of your glasses. You know, it's not real suffering, but it felt like it, right? You're going to suffer in this world. You're going to suffer pain. You're going to suffer struggle. You're going to suffer loss. You're going to suffer death of people you love. It's going to be awful. There are going to be days when you just can't. But but Jesus says, when you suffer, you're, you're joining with me. Stay humble. Stay with me. And then I will lift you up. And I'll bring you glory. My glory fills the earth. It'll be my glory that you share. The next oh my, the next woe is if you bring shame on others, you will be shamed. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar the ruler of the Babylonians, he, he gives drink to his neighbors so that they get drunk, so that he can gaze on their nakedness. When you reach out and try to shame people, shame others, the oh my is you're going to be shamed. It's going to come back on you. You're going to end up the one who's shamed. Now again, it takes history. It takes time. It takes a a movement of time. It doesn't happen instantaneously and that's kind of what we want, right? We, if, if somebody shames me, I'm going to make sure they get shamed back, right? I want to get even now. Right now. Right now. I I, I want punishment to happen. I I want these Chaldeans, these Babylonians, these invaders, I, I want them to be destroyed. Habakkuk says, oh my. If you bring shame on others, you'll be shamed. Habakkuk flips quickly to this reality that that we uh, he, he says woe <laughs> woe oh my to those who who would worship idols things that aren't real trusting your own creation it, it's like in one of your art projects and and you create this sculpture or you make this painting and then you say that that's that's going to help me, it's going to teach me, it's going to tell me good things. Whoa. What? Oh my. Do you know what happens when you when you follow after idols? When when you trust your own creation, when when you make gods that, that can't talk back, that can't respond? Dumb idols? 
here's the thing about idolatry. Idolatry is, is yeah, we set up idols and, and we give them significance, but the truth is you get two choices in this world. You, you can make God, the God of the universe, your God, or you can make yourself your God. Those are really only the two choices. Yeah, we, we use representations of God, right? And, and, we, and we do that because it, it allows us to feel powerful and, and capable and able and, and kind of makes us not look as bad as we are. But the truth is you either trust God or you trust yourself. And, and you have these dumb idols and... And, and, and that's what he's saying to, Habakkuk's saying to, to these people, these invaders, he says, do you get it? Like, like, do you understand that you're trusting in your own creation? You're trusting in yourself? You're trusting in these gods that you made? They're worthless. They're just totally worthless. These small gods that you make are silent, they have nothing to offer. And instead of silent gods, you have the God of the universe who speaks to us and invites us. We're invited by Habakkuk for the whole world to be silent before him. Because he's in his temple, and in his temple is where we worship him. God is in his temple that all the earth keeps silent. Keep silent before God. That's part of waiting. As you're invaded, as you're suffering, as all these people come and would destroy your life and destroy you and destroy all those things that you love, destroy those around you, as that happens, wait in silence for God. He will act. He will act. These oh mys are, are, are a warning. <laughs> oh, oh my. Do you know what's going to happen to the people who mistreat you? who abuse you, who hurt you, who cause pain to the people you love, do you know what lays in store for them? Oh my. Oh my. They're going to stand before God. Oh my. There's a, a danger in all this. There's the kind of Way that you could read this passage and you, and you and you could say, what goes around comes around. <laughs> My uncle used to tell me that when I did something bad. And then later something bad was done to me. He said, well, what goes around comes around. You got yours. <laughs> you sent it out bad, it comes back bad. You get what you send out. Uncle Paul was pretty smart, but he wasn't real smart about that. What goes around, comes around is, is not a truism. 
feels like it. But what happens is when we submit our will and our way to Jesus, when we bow before him, what goes around comes around to him and he destroys its power. Be careful that you don't read this chapter in Habakkuk and say, you know what? Good, they got theirs. Because then you become the they. You get that? Really important. Don't become them. Don't get even. I know some of you have been horribly mistreated, horribly hurt by circumstances in life and by people who should not have done it. Your job is to say, oh my. And to love them. And pray for them. And long for good things for them. Oh my. Don't plot revenge. Don't try to get even. Then you become them. Instead, practice the golden rule. Do unto others, Jesus says, as you would have them do unto you. Couple minutes for questions, pushbacks, responses, anything. I enjoy your service very, very much. Thank you. And it's too bad it takes years to get to where I'm standing here. <laughs> and this is true. Like I'm an eighties and at fifty I wish you were young. I'll get you. <laughs> but I just think that is such a nice way you were living your life. Thank you. And I just thank God. Anyone else? Yes. And we all have those stories, right? That's what authenticity is. It's speaking out of your story. It's speaking out of what God's done in your life. Anyone else? Yes. Right. Excellent. Very true. You don't have to wait for your emotions to catch up. You just submit yourself to doing it, right? Because you don't feel like it, right? It's hard to pray for somebody and to love someone who's hurt you and despised you and mistreated you. You don't have to wait till you feel like it. Matter of fact, if you wait till you feel like it, you probably won't get there. Anyone else? Stuff that in and 
try to understand and go through life like you're not angry, you haven't been hurt. Right. It's okay to go to God with that in prayer and say, God, this person really just angered me because they, they mistreated me in this way. God's big enough to take Right, that's Habakkuk, right? He's being honest about the reality of the situation. He's not mincing words, and I said we need to be person of integrity and all that. But, yes, Julie, and then we'll close up. Very good. Let's close. Father, we thank you that you tell us that revenge is yours. Vengeance is mine, you say. I'll repay. Father, in our pain and in our hurt and in our struggle, help us to wait on you. To wait for that day. But Father, our longing is for the oh my's, the woe, to never happen. That those who stand opposed to you, those who have destroyed us and hurt us and caused us to suffer, would turn their hearts in and come to you and that you would forgive them and heal them and restore what's broken. Help us to be real with you and with each other. Help us to speak the truth in love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can respond this evening by sitting in the sinner's chair. If there's something that you're struggling with, a sin that you are involved with, a sin that's been done against you, um, just sin in this world and you're burdened by that and you would like someone to to pray over you, go sit in that chair and someone will come and uh, and bring you before Jesus. Another way to, to respond is generosity. This is a, an opportunity for us to be generous and to to offer good things. So if you are willing, if you're visiting, there's no expectation that you should give, but uh, you certainly may. And then on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And he broke it and he said, this, this is my body broken for you. And he says, whenever you eat this bread, remember that my body was broken for you. And, and after the Passover meal, this last meal with the disciples, he, he took the wine and, and he drank from it and, and 
offered it to his disciples and, and said, uh, this is my blood poured out for you. And whenever you drink, remember and believe that, that my body was broken for you. My blood was shed for you. The great oh my for you is canceled because of his work. Isn't that beautiful? Your oh my. The warnings that you would receive are negated by the beautiful work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you not only may, but you should come joyfully and take bread and dip it in the wine or the juice. And as you take it in, remember and believe that his body and blood were broken and shed for you.